Welcome back to the Twilight Terrors. We're your hosts, Julia. And Lakin. And this week, we wanted to throw in a bonus episode because we couldn't resist. It's Friday the 13th, so we are going to cover the one and only BTK. Welcome back, guys. Um, Happy Friday the 13th. Oh, and we're so excited for this episode. (laughs) Um, There is a lot to unpack with BTK. I mean, first of all. Most of them, the Idaho murders. I mean, yeah, and that's one of the reasons we were in, like inspired to do him is because kind of like the what's the been brought up, like the relation yeah. between BTK. Brian and BTK. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you don't know, BTK is an acronym. Um, the actual serial killer's name is Dennis Rader, but BTK stands for Bind, Torture, and Kill, which is, I mean, what he did to his victims. It's yeah, it's and a little. I, didn't he come up with it? He yeah, would, he suggested he, he suggested to like news stations and police in his letters. He's yeah. like, "Give me a nickname." Like no, he, he wanted, wanted the be, fame. He wanted the fame. He was craving it. And yeah, and one of the articles I read, he was like, "How many people do I have to kill before I get the yes. attention?" Yes, it's it, very. His he was, mind is crazy. It, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to know where his mind is at. Very dark. Um, but he started showing like early signs of like being a psychopath and whatever else from an early age. Um, he was killing animals. Um, he actually, he didn't just like stab them or shoot them. Like he actually like hanged animals, which is a little weird. Um, he also sign of a serial killer. Yes. Yes. And, um, his mom, he realized that he was having, fantasies about you know that's what that's what I had read actually he admitted as a child or like at a young age to having fantasies about torture and bondage throughout childhood which is and then like through being a boy scout he actually knew how to tie knots and nooses so I guess that's like where like the binding comes into play um before he killed his first victim he actually stalked women and then he attempted a kidnapping and failed, but he also broke into people's homes and he claimed that it gave him a sense of power after losing his job and being forced to live off of a wife's salary. It's messed up. And like, no one's forcing you to yeah. live off your wife's salary. Just go get a new job. But speaking <laughs> of like him wanting the power and control and also what like, um, he said kind of was like a moment was when his mom, when he was a child, his mom got stuck, like, in the couch, like, on a spring. I saw that. And he liked seeing a woman helpless and scared and shocked. Isn't that so weird? That is creepy. Send your kid. Like, fantasizing about your mom being stuck in a couch. What is going on in your head? And he realized after that that that's when he wanted to see women struggle. Struggle. There, he basically said he liked stalking women just for the sake of it and fantasized about how he would kill them. He was kind of into like, I guess, scrapbooking, if you will. He would cut out pictures of women from adverts and magazines, and he would literally like draw ties and gags onto the pictures and then stick them onto cards that he carried around. So messed up. Everything about him. Like he's one of those people, like you hear about other serial killers, but like, he was truly just like a sick, no, he's minded a sick and person. twisted person. He's psychotic, genuinely. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no remorse at all. No. 
He truly did it because in his mind, it was it was his fantasy. fantasy. And he yeah, he was in his own world. It. It's almost like world. it's almost like in a sense of like, what's his name, Manson, who was like was not it Char- Charlie. No, no, no. I can't. I can't. Yeah, but like yeah, yeah. Manson, whatever. He was like you see him in like his trial he was just not mentally there no like raider didn't look like that but i feel like mentally he was there yeah because i don't know well he also got a degree in criminal justice yes which i find interesting and he also served in the u.s air force so between his boy scout training his criminal justice and military past yeah yeah not a combination i would like from a serial killer. No, <laughs> definitely not. He actually had a kit which included breaking and entering tools, cords, tape, hoods, knives, plastic bags, and a gun. <sighs> um, so that's, you know, not promising. No. Um, this is the weirdest thing to me, and I did not know this, and this is, like, where I keep reiterating. He is a sick, sick person. He would dress up as his victims. It's like, as if torturing and murdering women wasn't enough he would reenact the crimes on himself he would put on a lady mask dress up as the women he murdered put on their underwear and then would tie himself up and take pictures and this that is sickening no it is it is sickening and he almost screwed up one time he came close to getting caught after he tied himself up during a scout outing and then found himself unable to get free he literally binded I, himself too good. Like, I, I truly, like, the silence there, there's just no <laughs> words to say. I, oh, my God. He would take souvenirs from his victims. That's a little more common yeah, from prolific most, serial yeah. killers. I mean, like, the first serial killer I think of, like, when I think of someone taking souvenirs, it's a Zodiac. Because he would take souvenirs and then leave them at the next crime scene. Um, he would have... Okay, this one's kind of gross, and I really don't even want to talk about it, but um, he would have motel parties. Um, That was a term he used, basically, for, like, masturbation. He would go to a motel, bind himself, cover his head with a plastic bag like he did with his victims, and do the deed, I guess. I don't know. Ew. It's just weird. I don't know. He's just a creepy guy. He's He's a really creepy creepy guy. And evil and disturbing. Like, he's disturbed. I mean, yeah. There's no other way to put it. He is disturbed. He then mailed a near victim her belongings. So Anna Williams was another one of BTK. Well, like she was a target of BTK. Um, In 79, Raider entered her house and literally waited for her to get home. But she didn't return home at her normal time. So I'm assuming he was stalking if he knew the normal time that she came home. And he gave up. So he just left. And then... Later, Anna Williams found out how close she came to death when Raider sent the belongings he had stolen back to her, as well as a poem entitled, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? So he was definitely stalking and obsessed with her. Could you imagine being her? No. I no. I would never be alone I don't know again. how I would cope no. with that. Especially knowing that, like, he wasn't arrested for all of those years later. No. Like, that was in 79. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get arrested until, what, 2005? 2005. So that's also something I don't think we've mentioned yet, but we'll get into when we talk more about the murders, (laughs) is he killed 10 people over the span of 30 years. Yeah. Well, 
he started in what what was it 74 i think and it was he was over it was, he was done in 91 and then he took a 10 year hiatus so he didn't he actually didn't kill for 13 years he didn't kill from 91 until he was arrested or they they realized it was him in 2004 yeah. um he i guess we'll kind of get into this now because yeah. we're already on the topic but <laughs> he didn't do anything for 10 years and then in 2004 he sent out 11 letters and then some like recordings and the thing that actually got him was a floppy disk that yes. he sent and he just was very messy with it and then with newer technology they eventually got dna, DNA. of the first family that he killed um they, he had left semen at the scene and they traced it back to him and so then he was eventually arrested um which is he always left once again he wanted to be like he wanted the fame of this yeah. he wanted publicity so he always would do things in his killings or after his killings to try to get publicity for himself yeah and the craziest thing to me is or one of the craziest things there's many weird things about this case but in the 1970s um btk's voice was caught on tape when he rang the police to report one of his murders the FBI didn't release this tape until later. And in 2005, Raider's daughter, Carrie Rawson, heard the tape and she told someone that she knew instantly that it was her father. So had they released that she, back when they had it in the 70s? They would have caught him. Yeah, I mean, so they. Much. well, I guess maybe but, she wouldn't have been born yet. But that, that's true. If she would have known it was out there earlier... And she would have heard been it. able to help the investigation. Yeah. And he was married with two kids as well. Can we talk about that? Right. Well, his whole thing, like, he put on this total facade. Yeah. Like, he... Didn't you say he was, like, the leader of he the was, congregation at his church? Yes, he was the president of the congregation at his church. He was very active in the church, which is also sickening. He ironically installed security systems for a living. I mean, literally the irony in that, Every he's giving people protection for people like him. Right. It's just so weird. Like everything. And also the amount that, like he was in the Air Force. He went to college for criminal justice. Oh, he was a freaking Boy Scout. He was a Boy Scout. Come on. I mean, come seriously, on. Seriously. He learned how to tie the bot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. And I think he, I think he admitted, I'm not 100% on this, but. He was planning to kill again in 2004 until he sent out that stuff and he was eventually caught. Um, just very, I don't know. <laughs> no, that would not, I mean, surprise me once again. Yeah. He was killing for so long. I also just wanted to point out really quickly because just to tie it into the, um, you know, the Brian Bober mm -hmm. and the Idaho cases as well. And I want to read a direct quote because this is coming from um, BTK himself in mm -hmm. um, an interview with TMZ. So he says he, um, in, an e in a new email, he believes Koberger would lie in wait for his victims, stalking them and casing their homes. All of this, BTK says, as much like I did, referencing Koberger's dark mind, which he can relate to. And then also in the interview, he was going on saying how much um, like similarities they yeah, had. Yeah, how much Brian like reminds him of himself. They both left their own DNA at their first, which um, qu 
like murder which both of them killed four people as their first murder. Very it was a quadru- odd. It was a quadruple. They were both criminal justice yes, majors. Quadruple homicide as their first killings. Bold. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And BTK admitted, like, he thinks he studied his crime. I mean, of course he studied BTK's crimes. His professor is the one who wrote BTK's autobiography. You know that she and was teaching about BTK. The, it's like a four-episode docuseries or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like, there's she, no doubt that he had studied BTK's no. cases. Even if it wasn't his personal choice, you know he did in class, and he probably found some fascination in oh, some sense there. I mean, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I know, that part's so weird. And the professor admitted, like, oh, I want to study the mind of, like, this serial mm-hmm. killer. And, like, he, I mean, I don't know. He's not your typical serial killer, honestly. mm and also, I know that in, like, our Idaho murder case, we talked about how, oh, we wonder if BTK and Brian have talked. In that interview BTK did with TMZ, he confirmed that he and Brian have actually had no, like, contact. Like, yeah. the two of them have not talked. There was not personal contact between the two of them. But and, that's and when he came that. out and said, I think he's been studying my work. Yeah. Which, let's be real, BTK obviously wants attention. I'm sure he'd love to have someone admiring his work and taking after him. So... Who knows how much, you know, you you can't trust Take it a serial with a killer. Grain of salt because <laughs> clearly he's going to do anything right now to continue yeah. getting in the spotlight. As and much while as he we're can. on the topic of Brian Koberger and just going back to the Idaho murders, because that's like a hot topic right now. Um his trial was just announced. It's not going to be done until like the preliminary hearing is not going to be done until June twenty sixth. So I thought maybe they would push to get the trial done and get the ball rolling, but it's going to be like a long time, like six plus months before we get an update. So we're going to have to wait a while on that. We will. Um, So I guess now we can kind of get into the the timeline of of the crimes. Yeah. So his first killing, as we mentioned, was a quadruple homicide and it was a family um, it was January 15th, 1974. Um, he killed two children. I do know that. It was the parents and then yeah. two of their five children. Um, so they there was Joseph and Julie. And I want to say she was a former co-worker at the Coleman Equipment Company. Is that the... Um the security company I believe so I believe so and then he strangled the two homeowners and then he also killed yeah two of their young children leaving three older siblings to discover the bodies when they got home from school later in the day yeah and then April 4th of 74 he had a second killing and this time it was Catherine Bright um she was another Coleman employee so he's oh basically targeting ex-co-workers co-wor- uh, yeah. at this point. Um, he, I, he returned home with her brother, Kevin, to find Raider waiting with a gun. So her brother survived a gunshot to the head, but then he was unable to save his sister, his main target, who Raider stabbed to death. So, yeah. I mean, I, can, imagine surviving a gunshot to the head. Seriously. How, how traumatic. Can- it's absolutely unreal. Um, 
This is a key point in the whole case. So October of 1974, he introduces himself to the police. So after one young man allegedly confessed to the killing the family with two friends, an editor at the Wichita Eagle receives a strange phone call that directs him to a mechanical engineering book at the Wichita Public Library. Police find the book in a letter wedged inside which reads, in quotes, those three dude you have in custody are just talking to get publicity. The code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them, BTK. You see he added again, they will be on the next victim. So his grammar was not very good. They recognized that the killer's peculiar brand of misspellings and grammatical errors along with a distinct sexual aggressive signature. Like that's, they found that to be his yeah. type of thing. Um, so that was that. And he honestly could have done that once again to disguise himself even more because clearly he's well-educated and right. bright. I right. Mean, and all the other things. Also, I did just find, so Coleman was, it was a brief, he worked here for a brief um, amount of time. Oh. And it was, he, it was a factory job where they made okay. camping equipment. So maybe something happened and then he was targeting. And camping equipment, you're probably going to get good ropes there. Just going to like throw that out there. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, that's very true. Interesting. So it was not the security job then. The security job, um, ADT. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. ADT. I've heard of that. Um, the next killing was March 17th. Oh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, 1977. He murdered a mother of three. So he entered the home by the way of a five-year-old child who opened the door. He barricaded the boy and his two siblings in the bathroom before strangling their mother, Shirley. Um, the children eventually escaped and they provided police with a vague description of the intruder. Um, his next killing was December 8th, 1977. He reported his next victim. So after the binding and strangling of 25-year-old Nancy Fox, Raider headed to a payphone to point police to his handiwork. In quotes, you will find a homicide at 843 South Pershing. He bluntly tells the 911 dispatcher. So he's he was leading police yeah. to his crimes. He wanted the attention. Every, every time. Yeah. I mean, he definitely wanted and the attention. What was the when was Shirley killed before Nancy? Like, what year was? They were both um, seventy-seven. Okay. One was in March and one was December. So, so that beginning one, he was in like seventy-seven. He was just on a spree at that point before. Yeah. Um, and then January thirty-first, nineteen seventy-eight, the killer reaches out with a poem. So the Wichita Eagle again received an index card with an imprinted poem that begins with in quotes. Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, wilt thou be mine? At this point, they were unaware of the connection to Shirley. Believing it to be a Valentine's Day note, the mail clerk forwards the card to the paper's classified department. So at this point, because Shirley was never an intended target of his, he came out and said that. Shirley was not the intended target. So who was? Because he went into that house and she's the one with three kids that mm -hmm. he locked in the... I don't know. I, I don't even know if that had ever that's a good question. I'm not totally sure, but I know that Shirley was not his intended target. Interesting. Um, so, so, like, that's if, why they didn't link him to that string of serial killing murders because he didn't kill her the same way that he was killing other victims. Interesting. And it, yeah. was that to, I wonder if he was using that to throw them off track. Could be. 
Yeah, or, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Um, February 10th of 78, BTK threat is made public after another letter. So apparently angered by the lack of response to his last attempt, the killer sends a more direct message to the Wichita base KAKETV. So this is kind of what you were saying earlier, but this is in quotes. How many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? Um, and then he wrote off a list of nicknames, including the BTK Strangler, the Wichita Hangman, and the Asphyxiator. I can't say the word. Asphyxiator. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, he, he was just craving attention. He did. He absolutely did. He genuinely was craving attention. And then after this, the Wichita police chief um, subsequently called a news conference to reveal for the first time the presence of the BTK strangler in the area. Also interesting, like he came up with multiple nicknames for himself to give right. to the public. Right. It's narcissistic. He's a narcissist for sure. And yeah. he even admitted that himself. I'm Maybe it wasn't him. It might have been the professor, but like he was very egotistical. Yeah. Um, following in the timeline, April 28th of 1979, this is when Anna Williams was nearly missed, which I talked about earlier, where she got that poem, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? Um, the next thing after that was August 14th of 1979. BTK's phone call was broadcasted. So seeking help from the public, authorities released the recording of BTK's December 1977 phone call to report the death of Nancy Fox. Tips came pouring in from listeners who thought they, you know, they would recognize the voice, although no relevant information emerged from that. And then in 1984, the Ghostbusters were formed, um, named after the movie. Um, the task force, which included a young officer, um, basically, they were taking care of the evidence and, like, preserving valuable evidence. Um, and just kind of a task force assigned directly to him. In 85, April 27th of 85, Raider's neighbor was strangled. So after an evening of bingo and dinner with her boyfriend, um, 53-year-old Maureen Hedge is taken from her home in the Wichita suburb of Park City just down the street from Raider's house. She's found dead by the strangulation eight days later, though police failed to connect her to the murder of BTK at the time. So it's interesting to me, both crimes that they didn't connect to BTK were strangling. Yeah. So that's interesting. And didn't they know, I mean, his nickname was BTK, like the strangulator or something. Right. I mean, if you're going to call yourself like and the asphyxiator, yeah. obviously like you're, that's breathing, that's literally, you would think there'd be a correlation, but. Apparently not. And all of these people for so many years were living in fear of BTK. Right. Like everyone was scared at the time. Oh, yeah. Because you never knew when he was going to strike. Right. He, I mean, he could go, like a lot of serial killers kind of go on like sprees. They kill, boom, boom, boom. He would take six months or, you know, three months. It wasn't like, not that that isn't like a, lo a long time, but it's it's longer than other serial and killers And then once do. again, like taking years off and then taking a hiatus right. and coming back, like you have no idea what's going on. Yep. They actually thought that he was either imprisoned or dead. Yeah. Like police and investigators. Yeah. They had no idea that he, he was really was just laying low, which that's one thing I find not fascinating. I don't even want to use that word, but yeah. in, interesting about this guy is the fact that like he can kill 10 people 
and then just like turn it off and do nothing now nothing that they know of but you would think the type of person that he is and the personality he has he would he confess to anything well, that he's and done he, anything for attention too and in that time considering he wanted all the attention he would have made it known that he did something right. else but you are correct i did read something too when uh, and i think once again it was with the professor she talks to him all the time and she did admit this too like he is bizarre in the fact that he goes on a hiatus he has mm -hmm. more control over it than some people do considering he took 10 or 13 years off and then you know came back into it or was yeah. able to i don't know control it right which is he, creepy he from the beginning always wanted to control the narrative on yes. his story yes like he's he, a control freak yeah he wants to get a narcissist and he's very egotistical like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he likes to see people that are powerless on September 16th, 1986, um, so this is a year later almost, um, he returns home, or a man named Bill returned home for lunch to find his two-year-old son sitting by himself and his wife, Vicky, dead in their bedroom. In the absence of other credible evidence, the husband became the primary suspect in Vicky's death. So again, police are not relating this case to BTK. I will admit, though, once again, the spouse is always the first... You know, right, suspect, right. and I get that. So that one, I wouldn't judge. I'm not judging police for yeah. not immediately thinking of BTK in yeah. that situation. Yeah, that's about that's fair. That's a good point. But I mean, eventually, if you can, like, if he had an alibi, and you know, I don't know. Um, this was just an odd. You could tell that he was getting like sloppier or like tired almost. Um, January nineteenth of nineteen ninety one. This was his final kill. Um, he, th BTK, threw a center block through the sliding door at the home of a retiree, Dolores, strangled her to death, and then leaves her body by a bridge. So, I don't know. Th this article reads, seemingly preoccupied by his day-to-day -day duties as a Park City compliance officer and father of two, Raider ceases killing and BTK drops off the map. I didn't know that he was a Park City compliance officer. There's very interesting. Yeah, there's so much with it. <laughs> yes. So I, that was in that was in 1991, like the, the beginning of 1991. That was only three weeks into January. That's so, crazy. Or two and a half. Yeah. And I also find this interesting about him too. So he did kill um, two children out of his ten victims. Eight were adults and two were kids. But in many situations, the kids are home or with yeah. the mothers and then he just kills the moms yeah i don't know or the women in the, in the situation yeah i don't know why but that's just like that's weird yeah i don't know you hear like a lot of killers pick out their victim and they they figure out if they stalk like okay you're gonna be home alone here he yeah. didn't it seems like he just didn't care no he, as long as they were home but, like, that little boy in that one situation, like, was he... Like, what if he was able to be a witness unless he was, like, a baby? Right. I mean, I know that it's traumatic and, like, they can't always understand what's going on. But still, like, why would you want to risk that? Like, I get locking the other kids, like, in a room. Right. But I don't know. It's still just... It's, it's weird. Odd. It's, it's weird very odd. Like, kids were present a lot of the times. Yeah. I don't know. So... Um, fast forward from January 1991 to January of 2004. So 13 years later, 
the Wichita Eagle ran a 30th anniversary piece on BTK. Um, they recalled the terror BTK had in the 1970s and then suggested that he had faded from the memory after so many years. Rader later admitted that this article spurred him to revive his deadly alter ego. So again, it's that narcissistic thing of like wanting to have control the narrative, control the power, have he wanted his ego to just be built up and people yeah. to like fear him. Yes. Like he just wanted that attention. Um so then on March 19th of 2004, um the Wichita Eagle receives an envelope from a Bill Thomas Kilman. So again, BTK. Mm-hmm. Containing a copy of Vicky's missing driver's license and photos of her body and BTK's distinctive signature. A chilling message that, I mean, linked her unsolved murder to BTK. So he basically just made it known that, like, I'm still watching. I'm still here. And don't discredit me for my crime. No, he wants all the credit. Yeah. Um... His next outreach was in May of 2004. He mailed something to KAKE-TV um, that included a phony ID, chapter titles for a BTK biography, and a find-the-word letter grid that spelled out clues like Prowl, Fantasies, and um, investigators noted the lack of his unusual signature. Um Puzzle sleuths later realized that the letters R-A-D-E-R, Raider, are grouped around the numbers 6220 and the author's street address. So he literally gave them everything they needed to trace it back to him, and they just couldn't. No. Um, In December 13th of 2005, he left another disturbing package. So he left more messages in various public locations, um, and a man walking through Wichita's um, park or Murdoch Park stumbled across a garbage bag containing Nancy Fox's driver's license and a Barbie doll with the hood over its head and arms tied behind its back. So literally how she was tied up, which is just disturbing on it's a so literal another level. And he is incriminating himself so many times and no one is catching it. Right. Like he is giving so many signs. Yeah. Every single time, because once again, he wants the credit, but nothing. Yep. Nothing. Yep. January 25th, 2005, he left, um, he mailed a postcard to KAKETV, and police found a cereal box on a road outside of Wichita containing a graphic description of BTK's first murders and another doll fashioned in a death position. However, it's another section of the postcard, um, to whether his package was found at the home local Home Depot, which I don't know. That's just kind of speculation, I guess. They don't know kind of where it originated or where yeah. they found it. Um, after poking around, they, they went to that store to see, you know, kind of figure some other things out. And investigators learned that one employee had found a cereal box in the bed of his pickup truck. So a search of his trash produces a box and a message asking if BTK could communicate via a computer floppy disk without it being traced so this is this is the link to the thing that got him caught the floppy disk was his downfall and um 
An undercover detective makes arrangements with the Wichita Eagle. The paper runs a classified ad that reads, Rex, it will be okay. Contact me, P.O. Box, first, blah, 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 blah. Six days later, BTK confirms his receipt of the message through another postcard sent to KAKE. A computer disk arriving by mail is relayed to the cyber cop Randy Stone, who uncovers BTK's message about checking an index card for more information, along with the hidden metadata that reveals the disk to have been used by a dentist at the Christ Lutheran Church. Within seconds, an internet search for this church reveals the name of its president, Dennis Rader. So ultimately, that's what got him. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, he thought he was so smart, had them fooled, and... Everything about this case and him, I mean, it's disturbing and sickening and just insane because he was giving so many signs that no one picked up on yeah and if we would have had like today's like modern dna testing oh yeah he would have been caught at the first crime yeah again literally the first just like koberger yeah he probably would have been linked to that first murder it's weird i mean he left his semen there (laughs) right like right that's all you would have needed yeah but there, the DNA testing was not available like no. it is today. Um, so he was taken into custody when he was driving home from the office to have lunch with his wife. Um, he was pulled over by a line of police cars trailing him. And he confesses after being confronted with DNA evidence. And then he, it's noted that he enjoyed what he believes is a bonding session with law enforcement agents. Although yes. he's plainly irritated that a cop lied to him about the security or, well, the undercover cop lied to him about the security of the communications via computer disk. So. I can't even believe it. And he is currently um, serving 10 consecutive life terms in prison, as he should be. Right. But, I mean, I have so many questions about this, too, because he was married and had two kids. And I know that so many people live, like, it's almost like he lived, I mean, he did live two different lives. He lived a double life, yeah, for sure. And I'm just, I want to, like, what was his relationship like with his wife? And when he went to these motels and, like, did she see these oh, motel yeah. charges? Or yeah. where is he constantly going all the time? What did he say? Like, yeah, I don't, That it's just weird to me. He's just a very odd dude. I mean, I knew that, like, the BTK killings were, like, gruesome. But I didn't realize how much of, like, Truly, like, he freaks me out. He's Like, disgusting. truly. It's disgusting. He's a very sick person. Probably has some underlying... I mean, all serial killers have some underlying mental issues. But I feel like... It's disgusting. He definitely needs to get some stuff figured oh, out. he does. I he's, mean, the only word that... creeps. Yeah, that keeps coming into, the, like, my mind is, like, disturbing. Like, he disturbs me. Yes. His actions are disturbing. Everything about him is disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and weird and it's just gross it's gross it's really gross and i i don't know i think that he truly thought he was going to get away with it i i mean no doubt in my mind he thought that he had it in the bag that he was in the clear after 10 years 13 years that oh if they can't find me by now he just got cocky he didn't get the fame he wanted and he got cocky and then he was like yeah. yeah, I'll show him that I'm still here. I'm still around, and there you go. And he's hot. now he's in prison. So yeah. So, although this isn't 
I mean, we're calling it a bonus episode. It's not really a mini. There was too much to talk about to make it a mini. I mean, in this case, there's just so many pieces and parts that need to be it talked about. But made it a longer one. We just felt that, you know, Friday the 13th, we had to do we, something. We couldn't miss the, perfect, the opportunity. And this was the perfect case Yeah, for it. I mean, it related to the Idaho murders and, you know, kind of, kind of something that ties in with what we've been talking about. Um, I think that it's important to know, like, the connections between the two because if Brian really was kind of, like, trying to be, like, I'm not saying he's a copycat. Yeah. But, like... If he was following his work, it's important to know like what type of person he's following. Like yeah. if he really was looking at BTK as like a, an inspiration to him, like that just shows you the type of person that he is. Yeah, and I don't know. And I mean, just, it is eerie weird. that they both are criminal justice majors. Oh, still. for sure. I mean, it's yeah, just weird. Not a good look. No, at all. Definitely not. So we hope you enjoyed yes. our Friday the 13th episode. <laughs> um, we want to thank you for listening and join us in our next episode. 